This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Fascinating Gemara. A Gemara in Chulin. So when you go for Smicha, when a man goes to get Smicha to become a Rav, you have to learn a Sechtas Chulin. Chulin is a, is a Gemara that talks about what's kosher, what's not kosher, milk, meat, all those different things. But there are some little stories in, called Agarita, in the Sechtas Chulin, and there's a, a piece, a story, in this Gemara that I would like to learn with you. Okay? So all those are against, you know, teaching women Gemara. Maybe that means as a subject, but you can always teach women Gemara. So it says the following. It says the following. A story. So there was this big tzad, this big, big, big town, this big tzad. His name was Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer. There are many stories about Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer. So Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoyer was traveling, and he was carrying money, to ransom a captive. Okay, so they used to they used to kidnap Jews and then charge a ransom and then you pay the ransom and the Jew would be free. It was called pigeon shvuyim, right? And that's a very important sadaq. You have to always give a pigeon shvuyim to get them to get them ransom. So there were these Jews that were captured and there these robbers who these kidnappers were now asking for a ransom. But Pichas Benyoy got the money together and now he's going to ransom these Jews that were that were kidnapped. Okay. Pagabe Beginai Nahara. He encountered on his way to save these Jewish people the river Genai. The name of the river was Genai. Genai. Okay? Now there was a problem. This river was very deep. And there was no way he could cross it. Amale, Rapinchas Ben Yair said to the river. The river, the malach that controls the river, right? He said the following. Genai. River Genai. Chaloikli meimach. Split. Split your water like the Yamsuf, like, like it happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. Be'erabach. And let me cross through you. Armale. The river answered back. Repinchas ben Yair. Ato heilech you're on your way to do the will of your creator, of God. And I, by flowing, I am doing the will of God. Why should I switch for you? Manashtana, between me and you. You're doing the will of God, and I'm doing the will of God. I'm not splitting. And then he said, really, said the river, I'm much better than you. Atta suffix, suffix, iata. You... You're not sure when you get to the kidnappers that the people will still be alive. Maybe they killed them. Maybe they're going to charge you double ransom and you won't have enough money. So it's not, you're not a hundred percent sure that you're going to be able to accomplish what you set out to do. But me, he said, I need, I'm definitely going to accomplish what I'm doing. I'm a river and I'm flowing. So why should it's called Bari Vishema? Bari means something that's sure. Shema means something that's not sure. Bari v'shema. If you have something that's sure and you have something that's not sure, bari adif. You go with the thing that's sure. So the river said, you're not 100% sure that you're going to be successful, but I am 100% sure that I am successful. I am a flowing river. Therefore, I'm not splitting for you. Have a good day, Rabbi Nikas I am not splitting for you. Okay, Amale. So Rabbi Nikas said to the river, if you don't split, because Rani Alecha, I am, uh, I decree upon you, 
that water will never again flow through you. So Pichas Ben is like, you're messing with the wrong guy. If you don't split, I will dry you up that there will not be a drop of water left in you forever. The river split for him. So the question is as follows. Why did he threaten him? I mean, why did he threaten the river? What, what did he, what did he, how did he threaten him? In other words, why did the river then split? Because he threatened him? So the river was saying the following. The river was saying, I'm 100%. You're not 100%. So I'm greater than you. And because I'm greater than you, I'm not going to split. Rav Hutna, the Rosh Hashiva of Chaim Balin, right? It was a big god that wrote many svarim. So Rav Hutna, the Shalom said, explained the Gemara as follows. And he said that what Rav Pichas ben Yair was telling the river is, no, you got it wrong. I am actually greater than you. Because to do the will of Hashem, when you're sure that the goal and the outcome will come to fruition, is not as great as when you're sent on a mission that may not happen. In other words, we all will do something if we know for sure that in the end we'll be successful. But when you send me to do something that's maybe not going to be successful, I don't really want to go. For instance, you tell your child, right, it's one o'clock in the afternoon, the grocery is open, you say, Khanallah, please go to the grocery and get me a container of milk. Okay? The, the grocery closes at nine o'clock at night. At 9.15 at night, you realize that you don't have milk. So you say, Khanallah, go to the grocery and get me milk. And Khanallah says, but the grocery closes at nine o'clock. And you say, I know, but sometimes there's too many customers, or he still has extra work, so sometimes he doesn't leave exactly 9 o'clock, maybe he'll be open. So which one of these two are greater? The 9 o'clock one, the 9.15 one is greater, because she's willing to go, even though it's very possible that when she gets there, it's closed, and she's not going to come home with anything. The other one knows they're going to be successful. So what he was saying to the river is, you're saying you're greater than me because you're 100% sure? Wrong. I'm greater than you because I'm willing to go and maybe they are dead and maybe I won't have enough money, but I'm still willing to go. So that's greater when it, when you don't know if you're going to be successful. It's greater than when you know 100% you're going to be successful. Which goes back, and we'll finish the Gemara, which goes back to a, to a, um, and, and Rav, Shim, Rav, Rav Pimpas Ben Yarir, threatened him, and he said, he turned the whole story around. He said, you're coming to me and telling me you're sure that you're doing the will of God, and I'm not 100% sure because maybe it won't work out. He said, I will dry you up, right? So then you'll be sure also, but then you'll be for sure that you're not going to be doing the will of God because there's not going to be any water left. So you want to be sure? I'll let you be sure, but you're not going to be sure you're doing the will of God. You're going to be the opposite. You're going to be sure that you're not doing the will of God and I'm going to be a maybe that I am going to do the will of God. What's bigger? Sure that you're not or maybe that you will? Maybe that you will. So the river realized that that he had to split. And he, and he split. Why am I telling you this Gemara? Just to, just to tell you Gemara. Well, the Gemara is not over. The Gemara continues. The Gemara says that he wasn't alone on the other side of the river. But there was a man with him. Who? Gabra. There was a man walking with him together with Repentance Ben Yoyer who was carrying wheat. 
to bake matzah. A Malay, so Rapinchas ben Yoyer said to the river, Cholak nami lahai, split for this man too and let him cross. He's also going to do a mitzvah. The mitzvah asik, he's going to, to bake matzahs. Cholak the river split for him too. There was a third person there. Have a hutaya, the lava bahadeh. There was an Arab merchant who was with them also. Amalei, Pichas ben Yor said to the river, Chalak nami lahai, split for him too, for this Arab. Why should he split for the Arab? Interesting. So that people shouldn't say <coughs> that's how Jews deal with their traveling companions. They get themselves across the river and they leave him alone. So not to make a chil Hashem. So he said to the river, I don't want the people to talk about us in that way, that we took care of ourselves, we didn't take care of our companion. So he asked the river to split. And he split for him. So Omar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, How great is this, this Pichas Ben Yair? Moshe and 600,000 Jews, right? The water only split once. And for Pinchas Ben Yair, split three times for him, for the Jew with the matzah, for the flower, and for the, for the Arab. So he's greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu only once. And for him three times, the Gemara answers, no, here he only split once. But he asked the river to stay split until all three went through. So it's the same as what happened by Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the Yam split and stayed split. But over here it also, it split and it also, um, stayed split. So why am I teaching you this Gemara? The reason I'm teaching you this Gemara is, there's a very important underlining um, lesson to learn from this Gemara. And what is that lesson? That the Yiddishkeit, Judaism, is not goal-oriented. For if it was goal-oriented, the river would not have had to split. Because the, the river was accomplishing its goal, and that was to be a running river. So that's what was important in Yiddishkeit, that were goal-oriented, that you have to be the best in class, and you have to win the Olympics, and you have to have the gold medal, and that's what we are, then the river was right. I am 100% going to reach my goal. I'm continuously, since Hashem created the world, reaching my goal. You may fail. You, they may be dead. They may not have enough money, right? When Pichas ben Yoy was telling the river that when Hashem doesn't, it's not about reaching your goal, just the opposite. It's about the effort. And in a very deep understanding, the effort to do something that you may fail at is much greater than the effort when you know that you'll be successful in anything in life. When you know that you may fail, you try harder. So the effort is much greater. And that has been so destroyed in our world, Jewish world, regular world, that that effort has no meaning whatsoever. It's that, you know, you go to the Olympics, 150 runners, and one wins the gold, and nobody even knows who, you know, who, who, uh, who the losers are. Every sport that we have, there's a winner. There's a winner. There's the World Cup in soccer. There's, in golf, there's the, whatever, the, 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 the you know, the, the PGA tournament. In hockey, there's the Stanley Cup. In basketball, there's the NBA playoffs. In baseball, there's the World Series. The way we were brought up is that you can play 170 games a year, kill yourself, all these baseball players kill yourself, work hard, you know, get up every single day, fly across the United States. 
But if you don't win the World Series, nobody knows about you. Nobody cares about you. And that has seeped into our children. It has seeped into us. And one of the problems is that everyone wants to be a winner. And not everyone can be a winner. And a winner, and this is what I said last night, I think it's very important. You have to try. If you try and you don't reach your goal, right? You didn't fail in trying. You may have failed the test. You may have failed finishing the race. You may have failed being first. But you did unbelievable in effort. But if you don't try, then you fail in effort. And that you're not allowed to do. And that's what Rapichas Vinyoya was telling this river. You're right. I may not end, I may end up coming across you and I may end up doing it may not end up working. And mommy, I may go at nine fifteen and the store is going to be closed. But I'm going to the store. And if that store is closed, I'm going to try to find a different store. And and this whole Gemara, this is what it's based on. And 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 it's just there's so many people. I didn't get the best shidduch. I didn't get married at nineteen. There's this race. There's this race to the top, you know. And 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 when you get to the top, there's nowhere to go. So. The, the, the lesson of this Gemara is that as long as you're trying, what Pichas Benyar is saying, as long as you're trying, you're actually, you're actually more important, you're actually doing more than the person that's 100% going to be successful. Okay. The Gemara, the Gemara continues, yes? If it's a mitzvah for the rabbi to have gone not knowing if he'll be successful, why did he ask the river to split? He had to get across. How's he going to get across? He told, so he told the river, I'm going to do a mitzvah, you have to cross. And the, and the river said, I'm also doing a mitzvah, you're doing the will of Hashem, I'm also doing the will of Hashem, and I'm guaranteed that I'm going to be successful in the will of Hashem, and you're not. So I'm for sure, and you're not for sure, so I'm not splitting. So the answer is, it's not about the success, it's about the effort. So the effort of Pichas Ben Yara was much bigger than the river, because when I'm going somewhere, I know that I might fail, Right? That's a greater effort than the person who's 100% going to be successful. And did the river close up again like the youngster? They crossed it and, uh, and he, he did what he had to do. Then the Gemara, it's not important. It doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really, um, continue. Now, the next Gemara, the next Gemara, so it's talking about Pinchas Ben already, and it says a very interesting story. What? Where did he live? He's a town in the Gemara. Tons of the Gemara. The Gemara says the following. Iqlalahu Oshbizi. Rapikas Benyari came to a lodge, to a hotel, to a motel, whatever. Ramale Shari Lachamre. So they poured, he had a donkey, that's what he was riding on. And they poured barley. Animals eat barley. Barley is an animal food. Right? We put it in the cholent. Well, the mice in the old days, wheat and, and oats were very expensive. Barley was very cheap, so that's what they used to feed the animals. So they poured barley into the feeding trough for Rapikas Ben Yara's donkey. Loyochal. The donkey did not eat the food. So they thought maybe it's a, a fine schmecker. It has to have its food like really, you know, clean and whatever. So, Chapiru, they sifted it. They thought, okay, we'll make it night, we'll make it cleaner for him. Loyachal. He didn't eat. 
Not green oil. They clean the barley manually, removing any waste left behind by the by the sifting. Loyachal. The donkey didn't eat. Amalahu. So Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoya said to the people, the Jewish people who own that hotel, Dimuloi Maisrin, perhaps you bought this uh, barley and you didn't give Maiser. You have to give Trumas and Maiser. Maybe you didn't give Maiser. So the innkeeper said, you know what? You're right. We didn't give Maiser. Asrin who? So they went ahead and they gave Maiser of the barley. Bochal. And the animal ate. So Omar, Pinchas ben Yoya said, what a lesson. He said, This poor creature is going to perform the will of Hashem. And you're feeding him food that he's not allowed to, um, that he's not allowed to eat. How could you, you know, he, how, how could you do that? So what the Gemara is saying over here is that even the animal animal of Rav Pinchas Ben Yari, if you're Kaddish, you're a person who's Kaddish, then everything around you becomes Kaddish. So his animal is an animal. An animal is not high in eating food of mice or not mice. But because he was holy and he kept everything, his animal kept everything. So it's a very big lesson. That's who, that's who, Rav, Rav, that's who Rav Pinchas Ben Yari was. Okay. Another <coughs> subject that I like to talk about which is from last week's parsha. So last week's parsha talked about tzaras, leprosy. If you talk lashonara, you talk lashonara about someone or rechilus. Um, you tell Ruvain that Shimon was talking bad about him, so you cause them to fight, right? Or Maisi Shemra, or you 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 talk bad about someone else, and you you talk a makeup story that's not even true. All, all the all the different things of lashonara. So the ailment that Hashem used to give us was tsaras. Tsaras was a, uh, a leprosy, but it's not leprosy. Um, there would be a white blotch on your skin, and it would look like it was three-dimensional. It would look like it's under your skin. And first Hashem would put it on your house. If you didn't le- learn a lesson, he put it on your clothing. If you still didn't learn a lesson, he put it on your body. Now, I've been learning this all my life, and everybody learns it. Tazmina, Mitzvah, leprosy, Taras on the house, and the coin goes in, and he makes sure that everybody goes out, because whoever's in the house, when he says it's Tomei, becomes Tomei, and they take all the Kalim out. I never really thought deep into it. Last week, someone came out to me in Shul, and he had heard a shear from, I forgot who he had heard it from, and he told me something that Mamash opened up my mind, and the question is as follows. If you have acne, you wake up in the morning, and there's acne all over your walls. You're all laughing. The walls saying, you know, you're hallucinating. Muhammad, you can't have acne on the wall. Right? right. If you have a rash, you're not going to wake up and the wall has a rash. Okay. Could you imagine a person who has acne and they wake up in the morning, she puts on her dress, and there's acne all over her dress. The morning. But there's no such thing. You can't get acne on your dress. Imagine putting clearasil on your dress, you know what I mean? And all these acne medicines on your dress, right? So if that happened, they would put it in, in, in a museum somewhere, a dress that got acne. It, it's impossible. Why? Because skin diseases don't spread onto houses and onto clothing. Why? 
Because a house is not alive. Bricks are not alive. Your clothing is not alive. Right? Your body is alive. So if you have a live human body that has a rash, you can't put the rash, can't, can't go on the carpet or on the table or on the floor or on the walls or on anything that's not alive, can't catch it. Maybe an animal could catch it. Maybe you could catch a rash from an animal. But something that's not alive can't catch it. So the question is, so how does the rash come on the walls? Your wall's not alive. So how does the rash come on your walls? So the answer is, it's very scary, that your walls are alive. And that, 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 since, what is Tsaras? It's not a physical malady. It's a spiritual malady. Right? It comes from talking Lashon Hara. It doesn't come from, you know, touching poison ivy. Right? So, it comes from talking Lashon Hara. So it's a spiritual malady. How does a spiritual malady end up on a house, on a wall of a house, which is a physical thing? Or on clothing, which is a physical thing. Or on skin, which is a physical thing. And the answer is that a person has to know <coughs> that the walls of your house are alive. And that the walls of your house have a spiritual being. And that your clothing has a spiritual being. And it's brought down that after 120 years, when a person comes to the next world, who says witness about what you did in your house the walls of your house that's the Lushan the walls of your room so you say I didn't do this Hashem I didn't do that okay let's talk to the walls let's bring the walls up and the walls of your house and if you're not Tzniyas the clothing that you wore that's not Tzniyas comes up in front of Bez and Shalmaila and says I am the clothing that she wore that was too short or too tight or too whatever it was I am the clothing what do you mean you didn't wear me I mean, I'm the clothing. I am your dress. Am I not your dress? Did you not buy me? And this is the store? And this is this day? Did you not wear me? And this is this day? And this is this place? And there's nothing you could say. So our clothing, the walls of our house, can get saras because they are spiritual. That's pretty scary. I know there are big mukubalim that used to be able to take a mezuzah and be able to read the mezuzah, and the mezuzah is sort of a recorder of everything that goes on in that room. They were able to open the mezuzah and say, you have shalom bayis, you don't have shalom bayis, you're looking at the wrong things, you're doing the wrong things. They were able to open this mezuzah and, it's like a recorder. Okay, don't go home and cover it up and think that it doesn't, you can, you can, you can, you can cover it up, you can't cover it up. So, so the, the, he was just, he was telling me, he was saying, this rub got up and he said, Taras is, is spiritual and it's coming out on physical. Why? To show you that all those physical things are really mixed with spiritual. There's a famous Gemara about this woman who had, I don't know, seven or eight children who became Kohanim Gedolim. So they, she, they asked her, what, to what chus that did you do that they all became Kohanim Gedolim? And she said, the walls of my house never saw my hair uncovered. What do you mean the walls of your house never saw your hair uncovered? Walls don't see anything. Right? And the answer is, I guess they do. The Gemara says, the walls of the house never saw her hair uncovered. So it's a, it's a little bit of a scary thing to know. Witness. What? Right. Witness. And they're the ones who say witness. You're allowed to, but she was, she, she did a chumrah. She was extra strict. And I don't know that you're allowed to. I'm not posturing for anyone what you're allowed to, whatever it is. But she did, she did this, you know, she did this, um, she did this extra chumrah. So the whole Tzuras, the whole Pasha's Matorah and Tazriah is sort of screaming at us and trying to tell us 
that you have to understand that you are a spiritual being because otherwise this leprosy is not catchy. It's not like if someone in the house had it and you touched it, you would catch it. You could not catch it. It's not catchable. It's not catchable because if you talk Lashon Hara, that's your teras. Not something that's catchable. Okay. So it's just a, on, on last week's Pasha. So I was talking, I, I, I was, I was talking yet, two days ago, I spoke for, for Maimonides, and, um, so they had a big thing, wow, it was packed, they had a big thing in, um, in Borough Park, it was Monday night, and it was a nutrition for women, from Maimonides, and they had two doctors, a nutritionist and a gastrologist, you know, uh, talking about colonoscopies and endoscopies and, you know, and that if you're a certain age, you have to do all these tests and prevention and the nutrition, nutrition lady got up and she spoke. And so they asked me a few months ago to get up and speak at this gathering. And I was like, what am I going to, I'm going to talk about nutrition? I don't think so. Right. That's not, that's not my number one subject. Um, and as far as colonoscopies and endoscopies, it's not really my subject either. So um, they said, no, just get up and I don't know, just give chizuk, you know, like everyone go for a colonoscopy. I'm like, that's not something that Ray Wallstein's like, it's not the chizuk that I give to Klai Yisrael, you know. Um, you just, they want you to speak whatever it is. Okay, so I, I, I had to prepare. I thought about what I want to speak about. So I want to tell you what I said. So one of the things that we, we don't get to do a lot is to think, um, to spend time with ourselves. I'm very into that. I speak about it a lot. Uh, I'm not talking about yoga on the floor for two hours with your legs twisted above your head and all that. Just you can sit at the edge of your bed and you can go inside yourself and you need to spend that time with yourself and you have to ask yourself questions. And, and that's how we grow. And of course, the HR came up with these iPhones and all this social network, social media. So you're busy with everybody else and the most important person in your life that you're supposed to be busy with, you're not. A woman told me something today that, that rocked me. I want to repeat it correctly. So, she was talking about her husband who is very abusive to his children. And she said, when I die, my children will cry that they missed me. When he dies, my children will cry that he missed them. In other words, she had this relationship with her kids, so she said, when I'm gone, my kids are going to cry that I'm not here anymore. And, and, you know, they had me and I was there for them and everything else. But when he dies, they're going to cry for his loss. That you weren't our father. You didn't give us the attention that you were supposed to. They're going to cry for him for what he lost by the mother they're going to cry for what they lost I was like whoa we all need to think about that what's going to be after 120 it was very heavy anyway so um, so I want to tell you what I spoke to them about so I said that that I've had this challenge that um, I pretty much and I, I don't want like to talk about it because you don't want to start with the Sahara. But I've had I've had a lot of challenges in life, and slowly but surely, you know, I, I I gave up the I gave up the movies, I gave up the gambling, I gave up the TV, I gave I gave up reading the English books. 
The last thing I gave up was my rock and roll because I'm a musician and I love non-Jewish music. Um, and it was a struggle, but I, I did it. I did it. I, 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 was, I had gvura. I was able to never go back to a casino, never watch another television show, never watch a movie, never read English books, don't listen to any more rock and roll. And it was hard, but I did it. And when I come home, to, I come home at night after a hard day, and I usually have a lot of stress, and I sit down at the table, and I fill up my glass with some seltzer with a little lemon in it, right? Like the Diet Coke when you're eating the cake. And then there's that bag of Weiss potato chips, or Dipsy Doodles, and I can't beat it. I can't beat it. And I can't beat the, I can't beat the, the dark chocolate. Right? And, I, and I'm looking at this bag of potato chips, and I'm like, I don't understand. I beat movies. Movies! I love movies. I have a head that, you know, I think outside the box. So for me, movies, I stopped reading science fiction. I lived in science fiction. I was 12 years old, right? I knew the trilogy of, of Tolkien, right? The Lord of the King, the Lord of the Rings. That was my life. I was able to draw for kids in my class, Middle Earth, at 12 years old, the whole map without the book in front of me. And I read, I ate, I ate Mamish books on science fiction, Terry Brooks, I'm going to get into all the names, Eisenhower, all these books, and I just ate, and I, and I stopped. Eisenhower. Yes, and I stopped, and I used to read Westerns, all the Zane Greys, and all the Lee Lou and Moors, I had thousands of books. That's all I did, fantasy, either science fiction or, or Westerns. And Lulio Moore books, if you ever read them, they're pretty much the same. They just change the names in almost in, in, in every book. And I was able to stop. And I looked at this bag of potato chips. And I'm glad none of you were there because you'd put me in a psych ward. And I'm, I looked at this ba- bag of potato chips and I'm like, what do you have that I can't beat? It's 120, it's 120 calories, right? And I can't beat it. I need that munch. I need that crunch. I need that dipsy doodles. I need those corn chips. So I said, I gotta figure this out. I'm a diabetic. I can't, I can't be eating carbs and I can't be eating at night before you go to sleep potato chips and chocolate. I mean, this is not, this is not a good thing for me. So I know it's not good for me. It's not like I'm a regular person. I know it's not good for me. My cholesterol is not the best in the world and I'm eating potato chips and dipsy doodles. And I'm, I, I don't understand. You're Zachariah Wallstein. You speak. You, you talk about addictions. You talk about, you, you can't beat a bag of potato chips. That is so sad. No one's gonna ever come to my share again. I mean, who's gonna go to a share of a guy who can't go one-on-one with a bag of potato chips? So everybody who's sitting in this crowd right now, who doesn't have a thing for potato chips, you're like, he's nuts. Like, what's his problem? Right? Right? Because you don't understand that. But everyone has their own thing. So, when I have tension, I eat. But I, I don't eat anything. I don't eat cake. My thing is potato chips, corn chips, salt, whatever it is. Thank you. So I decided, I'm not going to a therapist for this. I'm not going to Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to try first to figure it out myself. And if I can't, then I'm going to go get some therapy. Because this is not good for a diabetic at all. So I sat, and, and I'm preparing this speech for these people, and I talked about this openly in Borough Park. So I sat and I said, so what's the deal? Why can't you beat it? And I listened to myself about all the things that I beat. And all the things that I beat were spiritual. <coughs> can't watch movies, 
right? Can't look at certain things. Can't re- There's all things that in my head was to get closer to Hashem, was to grow. They were all spiritual. On a fast day, Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur, I have no time for potato chips. I have no problem with a bag of potato chips not eating it. Why? Because on Yom Kippur, it's spiritual. Halacha, not to eat. So I began to see this picture and say, you're very sensitive to spirituality. So anytime it's connected to spirituality, you're able to work on it and to conquer it. Not everything, but most things. I said, you know, when I was 50 years old, so when you become 50, at least a man becomes 50, so you're supposed to take on a chumrah. You're supposed to take on something extra. You're half a century old. Take on something that at this point in your life, you know, whatever it is. So my father, Shalom, when he became 50, his rub told him, so we, we wear Rashi tillin. There's, there's two kinds of tillin, Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam tillin. Rashi, everybody wears. Rabbeinu Tam is extra. You have to stay after shul, and you have to learn Mishnayis, and you, it's extra. So he told my father, you're 50, you don't have to work as hard as you used to. Take on Rabbeinu Tams. So at 50 years old, my father started wearing, after finished davening, he put on his Rabbeinu Tams. So it's, so it's like 20 minutes more than everyone else davens, you daven on your Rabbeinu Tams. My father died, so his Rabbeinu Tams filled and nobody was wearing. So I was only 43 or 44, but I took his Rabbeinu Tams. So they didn't want his tefillin to lay there without being worn. So I took on his Rabbeinu Tams. So when I became 50, right, I had to take on something new. So I decided to take on Cholostam. In other words, I will not, I always ate Cholostam. I'm not eating any more Cholostam, which means I'm only eating Cholov Yisrael. That's it. 50 years old, I stopped eating Cholostam, only Cholov. Now, what, what did I lose by eating, not eating Cholostam? I lost Haagen-Dazs, Belgium chocolate caramel ice cream, which was Ghanaian. <laughs> and I lost, because I love coconut, that when I was traveling, what did I always eat on the plane? Mounds, chocolate mounds, and almond joy, and three musketeers, and they're all Cholovakian. Right? And Amos's chocolate chip cookies. Famous Amos. Right? This Rabbi Horowitz, my father's rov, told him. I never saw it, but he told my... He, he came to my, my... His Rebbe, my father's Rebbe, told him that when you're 50, you should take something on. So I don't know if it's Chassidus, but he was, my, he was a big tzaddik, and when he told that to my father, I... So, my, so I took this on. So now, I have no problem not eating haagen I have no problem not eating Three Musketeers or Mounds or Almond Joy. Why not? You love that. I used to love it because it became spiritual. I'm 50. I took on a Chumrah. So it's not food anymore. It's Halacha. And Halacha in my psyche, I am able to control because it's Hashem. Potato chips are not Chalavakam. Potato chips, you make a bracha on. And you make a burn of fashas on. So there's no spirituality in those potato chips. I can't overcome that. If it becomes a halacha, if it becomes spirituality, that I'm, I'm connected and I, so I don't, I have no problem with Carvel and Haggadahs and people around eating Chipwich and all, and Reese's Pieces and all this stuff. My family eats Chol, Cholstam. 
I have no, it doesn't bother me whatsoever because I'm not allowed to eat that. Not for health, for Hashem. Because I took that on. I don't have a problem with it. So all of a sudden I realized that my problem is that if it's not a halacha, I, I, don't, I don't keep it. If it's not something that has to do with spirituality, I don't keep it. It's a lot so, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, and this is what I spoke about. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, so now what are you going to do? There's no halacha. Potato chips is not chazer. Right? I don't have a problem with anything that's treif. Right? So, potato chips are not... I'll give you an example. My favorite food in the whole world, really, were raspberries and blackberries. I loved... We had it behind my house in Muncie. We had raspberries. We used to pick them. I loved raspberries and blackberries. It was my favorite. I didn't like blueberries so much. Strawberries I liked. But those were my favorite. Now, the orchard, which is on, on um, Coney Island Avenue, used to get from a place, which I tell you, from a place called Richter's in California, they used to grow raspberries that every one of those raspberries was this big. You never saw a raspberry of this size. There are blackberries with this big. So, I would open them up to see if there's any worms. I would wash them, and I'd pop them in. And I would eat five boxes, six boxes, and it happens to be, even for a diabetic, that the one thing you're allowed to eat is berries. Blueberries, blackberries, those, those fruits, not, but those things are, those things are nutritionally very healthy. So I, I wasn't a diabetic at that time, and I used to pound these berries, pound, pound, pound. One day, I walk into the orchard, I'm talking 10 years ago, and the Spanish guy that works there says, hey, Rabbi, you buy a lot of these blackberries, you know they're full of bugs. I'm like, I know, I washed them. He goes, no, you can't get them out. In between each little piece of the blackberry, they're in there. You cannot get them out. And raspberries, you cannot get them out. No way. I'm like, are you serious? He says, Rabbi, listen to me. I've been doing fruit a long time. Just open them up, soak them in vinegar. You'll see what's going to come to the top, whatever it is. I never ate a raspberry and blackberry from that day. I am talking maybe 12 years. I've not eaten a raspberry or blackberry. I went from 100 to zero. Why? Bugs, halacha, no problem. No problem. That works in my head. Stopped on that day, and that's why the, a lot of stores won't sell blackberries and raspberries anymore. And to get frozen ones, whatever, there's a whole process and whatever it is. It's not, you're not getting frozen blackberries that are kosher. They don't exist. So. What do you eat? Strawberries? And strawberries. Strawberries, you have to, you have to no. clean. You have, no, you can clean them. No. You can clean them. No. You have to really work. It's work. You can clean them. Yeah. Yeah. So right now there's a new company. So right now there's a new company. They're selling in pomegranate. Right. So right now there's a new company that has. Um, I just saw it this week. I forgot the name of the company that has strawberries that are grown in a glass house and washed and guaranteed no bugs. It's uh, they're teeny little strawberries, but they they just started selling them. What? 
I don't know, the OU, whatever. I'm not, I'm not getting to Hashgach, whatever. I'm just saying, I had no problem stopping. Something that I loved, I had no problem stopping. So I came to the conclusion, and this is what I spoke about on, on, in, in Barapot. I came to the conclusion that somehow, I gotta take these potato chips, and make them spiritual. So, the halach, the Torah tells us, right, the chai behem, right, that first of all, a person, you have to live, the chai behem, there's a mitzvah in the Torah, that the chai behem, that you have to, you have to live through the Torah, right, it, a person, and also, ushmatim as nafshei seichem, you have to watch your physical, physical life. So those are mitzvahs in the Torah. So when you eat those potato chips, you're over in Avera. So I've been out of potato chips now for two weeks. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I haven't eaten potato chips for two weeks. So when I look at the potato chips, I'm like, that's an Avera, that's trace. I don't know how long it's going to last. I can't. It's trace. It's not kosher for me. For me, chocolate, chocolate is not kosher. For you, it's kosher. For me, it's not, because I'm a diabetic. And Ushmat is not shaken. If I'm going to eat chocolate, it's going to hurt my physical body, right? And therefore, I am over and over, and I don't know how long it's going to last. Right now, it's two we for two weeks. What? A green apple, <laughs> a lot of blueberries, a lot of lettuce. It's pretty boring. I 100. percent If you can't eat carbs and you can't eat chocolate, it's uh yeah whatever. We'll see how long it lasts. But anyway, what? What? I asked my brother-in-law, my she elephant, he said, just, yeah, just have to wash them. Because a blueberry is not porous. It's one, so if it has a hole in it, don't eat it. But a strawberry, every, has a million little different, tiny dots. So we're gonna, we're gonna wash it with that special kosher cleanser and scrub it, and then we're gonna go take a loop, and we're gonna check out if there's anything moving. We'll see. Because today they do have these washes for strawberries. So, you know, the washes don't work on, on raspberries and blackberries. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make, and this was the point that, that I spoke about, um, that I spoke about when I spoke in Barapot. So do you know how long it took me to get to this point to understand what my problem was? I, I didn't, not, not somebody else told it to me. I sat there and I, I started to look at my life and all these things you were able to stop. This you're not. What's the common denominator between all these things that you stop? Spirituality, you viewed it as, all these things as an Avera. You viewed it as an Avera. You don't view potato chips as an Avera. And I began to figure out what's going on and why I was able to stop all those things and I'm not able to stop all these things. So the only way you could do that is if you spend time with yourself. And if you really spend time with yourself and you think about your life, you know, all these people are walking around, they're taking selfies, which is the most... The dumbest thing I've ever seen. I see girls doing this all the time and guys and like, selfie, selfie, right? They take a picture of themselves and I'm like, why don't you just look in the mirror? Why do you need a picture of yourself? Right? Did we ever in my generation take pictures of ourselves? Never. So psychologically, my tight translation of it is that when you live in a generation of the I, iPhone, all that stuff, where it's all about me and we're all, and it's a generation that's so selfish, so of course, selfish selfie, hello, right? No, seriously, right? Selfish selfie. So all I want is a picture of me all the time. When I grew up, I took a picture of you and you and you. It was about you. Now, now the camera, could you imagine that? The camera turned around and it's taking a picture of me. So the selfie is selfish. It means that I want to keep taking pictures of me and me and me and me. That's so 
sad. So I have a different, tra- uh, one second, I have a different translation of what selfie, what you should do. What's a real selfie? A real selfie is sitting at the edge of your bed at night and thinking about what you accomplished that day and what you didn't accomplish and who you made smile and who you made sad and who you hurt and who you helped. That's the Chafetz Chaim's selfie. That's a real selfie. The other selfie? So I want to end with a, from Rabbi Avigda Miller. Ten things you should do every day. Ten things you should do every day. You ready? He says the following. Number one. You should write this down. Every day you should think for one minute about the world to come. Which means you should think about consequence to your actions. Two. To say once a day, I love you, Hashem. How many people today said, don't raise your hands. How many people said today, I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. I just love you, Hashem. And then go on with your business. Three, to do an act of chesed every day that no one else knows about. Not to do an act of chesed that everyone knows about, but to do an act of chesed every day, one act of chesed, no one but you knows about it. I, I'm, I just saw this today. I'm Mitch Hashem. I'm going to write this on a piece of paper for myself and put it in my, in my pocket. And I'm going to try to check it off every day, each thing. Mitch Hashem. To encourage, to encourage one individual. Just one person. You can make it. You can do it. Don't worry about it. Someone, a kid, a parent, someone on the bus, whatever it is, right? Today I encourage you to get up. So I did mine. I'm good. Right? Okay. To think about yesterday for a minute. To think about what I did yesterday for a minute. To try to do my actions for the sake of Hashem. And to say one time when you do something, when you do a mitzvah, I am doing this action to strengthen my knowledge of Hashem. To look at a person. To, to, um, to, to do something and say, I am doing this for Hashem today. Okay? Well, actually, not for Hashem, but to strengthen my knowledge of Hashem, my relationship with Hashem. Seven, to look at a person once a day and think that he was created in the image of Hashem. To see the good in humanity is what Rabbi Miller is saying. To see the good, not always to see the bad. Eight, this Nechama is very good at, to greet people with a full smile at least once a day. With the intention that by doing so, I am coming close to Hashem through the people who are coming close to Him because of me. Because I made them happy today. Number nine. To think once a day that clothing is from Hashem. Because we say in the morning, Baruch gave us clothing to clothe ourselves. And number ten. To think for a short time about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and to sit on the floor for one minute. So Tikkun Chatzai is much longer than one minute, but to sit on the floor one second and say, Kosh I'm sad that you have no home. My Rebbe, Rebbe Gamil, always talks about this. That, that you should always cry that Hashem has no home. He says, when you sit in your home, that's why we do Tikkun Chatzai. When you sit in your home, in your beautiful house, in your kitchen, whatever it is, you should think for a moment, I have a house... And God does not. And that should bother you. 
And that's that's um, that's number that's number ten. So we can do seven is to look at a person and think that he was created in the image of Hashem to see um, to see the good in humanity. He was Rabbi Rabbi, Rabbi Miller was um, was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. He he made a special tefillah or he didn't for coffee. He enjoyed coffee so much that he had a whole Yehi on. I don't have it, but I saw it printed in Shul. He had a whole Yehi on that he said before he drank his coffee. To thank Hashem for creating the special drink, coffee that I enjoy so much. He had, he had unbelievable Hakar Satov. His Hakar Satov was, was amazing. Okay, so my bracha to everyone here is that Hashem should give you the time and the patience and the ability to go within yourself and to try and figure out why the things that you can't do, you can't overcome, why you can't overcome them, and to figure that out. And Hashem should give you the ability to try. To try. I don't know that I'll never eat another bag of potato chips in my life. I don't know that. But I'm trying. But I can't and, have chocolate, I might as well commit suicide. What? I can't have chocolate, I might as well commit <laughs> Well, then you got to go to a therapist. Well, then you got to go to a therapist. If you're, if, if, because, because when you make a comment like that, that is an addiction. You see? I will never make such a comment. What is an addiction? How do you know when you're addicted? When you feel that you can't live without it. That's an addiction. Voracious Bara, Hashem created the world. It, do, it doesn't say that He created the world to eat chocolate. Chocolate is an additive, but, but it's just interesting that you said that anything in your life that you think you cannot live without is an addiction. That's a translation of an addiction. So my bracha is you should have clarity and long life and health in Mitzvah Hashem. And, and I'm telling you that I'm no different than anyone else here. It's not that I'm smarter than you or anything else. You need to spend time with yourself. You will become a very healthy, happy person. Because even when you go inside yourself and you see your weaknesses, right, which I see my weaknesses, and you see your weaknesses... You also see that you have the ability to work on them. And that's why I brought you this Gemara tonight. The, the lesson of this Gemara tonight that you need to take with you is that your mission in life, even though you may be unsuccessful, is greater than the things in this world that Hashem have created that are always successful. You are greater than them. And that's why the river split. May we all see Mashiach from Hebe Yemenu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.